0: This week, Leah Russell returns to discuss the third film in the Pitch Black series, Riddick. Very excited about this episode Leah and I had a really interesting discussion about Riddick Uh, Spoilers for the discussion We were both pretty lukewarm on the film We both had some pretty intense issues with uh, Particularly the representation of women But also with uh, a little bit of how the violence was presented Uh, So we're going to get into that in just a couple minutes I've been having an, an incredible emotional roller coaster watching Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I, as you know, I adored the first two episodes and then was not as wild about the third and fourth. Um, and then episode five, I was getting really pissed and bored and, and, and like confused. And then episode six, I loved, loved so much. Uh, episode six, like once again, felt like Star Trek, It just like the first two episodes. It felt like they'd kind of gotten it, you know, like got it right. And I, I having a new episode of something that felt like Star Trek just felt so good. So now I'm hopeful again. Uh, so, yeah, spoilers if you haven't seen the first six episodes. I'm going to talk just a little bit about this before we get into my discussion with Leah. One of the biggest delights for me in episode six was that the show is acknowledging now that Lorca is making bad decisions as a captain. I was really Bothered by the fact that it seemed like he was super non-traditional Starfleet, like violent and angry and aggressive. And the show was, you know, he's the captain. The show's putting him up on a pedestal. But then you have uh, Admiral Cornwell, I believe her name was, like telling him straight up, I don't think you're fit to command anymore. You know, we get a little bit about Lorca's backstory about how he was the only person to survive off of his ship. And maybe there's some uh, residual trauma that has not been dealt with. And once we started to dive into that stuff in Episode six, I'm like, fuck yes, this is great. Uh if you're gonna if you're gonna kind of deconstruct this man and show you why he's wrong and then maybe bring him towards the side of being correct in the long run, or, you know, maybe take him out of command eventually, which it who knows what's gonna happen at this point. All of that stuff is really interesting to me. And that all fits in a Star Trek universe for me. You know, we've seen like dirty admirals. We've seen like crooked people in command in Star Trek before. We've never been on a ship where one was in command. And I think that's actually a really interesting idea that I'm excited to be exploring right now. I feel like the writers didn't make it super clear at first, but they did make it clear eventually. And maybe I need to be a little more patient uh, and kind of give this show a a chance to breathe and a chance to tell me what it is and what it's doing, because it's so different from week to week. It's hard to tell what the point of view of the show is i mean you know some like episode five choose your pain i was really not that interested in i just found it to be a little over dramatic and it seemed kind of transparent to me as far as you know trying to set up this, this relationship between the captain and ash tyler i was I was bothered by the fact that the, the Captain Lorca was so willing to trust Ash Tyler so quickly. I was really bothered by the fact that the Klingon uh, captain of that ship, the female captain, I believe her name is Lorel uh, I was really bothered by the fact that you know the last time we 'd seen her, she was with that albino Klingon and they were on a ship by themselves and now she 's the captain of her own ship with no transition and it was very confusing also the fact that like in the very beginning of that episode captain lorca was talking to admiral cornwall and then in the next scene he's on a shuttlecraft being boarded by klingons like why did he leave the discovery i maybe i missed something but I, I really didn't I'm, if there's like a line of dialogue in the beginning of the episode, I missed it. And I was so confused about why he was on that shuttlecraft. And I, I just started to feel like the show was just putting people in situations because it wanted to and it did, the show itself didn't even care if it made sense. Uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong eventually. Maybe they'll explain why Lorel was the captain of that ship. I was bothered by the fact that they had this like shootout with the Klingons in the hallway and all these Klingons are being vaporized except for Laurel who gets hit in the side of the face. And for, for some reason, you know, like Lorca and, and Tyler seem to have really good aim except for when they're shooting at a main character. I, I, I don't know. That episode, I don't know, bugged me. And Harry Mudd did nothing for me. I love Raymond Wilson. I was really excited to see him as Harry Mudd. But that whole thing just felt a little bit flat for me. But it completely turned around on episode six. Uh, Sarek's storyline was fascinating. Michael Burnham's storyline was fascinating. Getting to see some real camaraderie form among the crew felt fucking wonderful. And it made me feel a little bit more... Uh, Okay, with the fact that the show had gone out of its way to make people clash, because if you're going to do that and then have them build a sense of family afterwards, maybe it'll be even more, you know, cathartic and exciting than it would have been if they'd just been friends to begin with. So, it really turned the corner for me as far as my interest and excitement in the show. They they did an incredible job of of uh, really using Vulcan mythology well, like getting to see some of the backstory of Michael Burnham, getting to see Sarek on Vulcan, trying to parent this person and having to make an impossible choice, uh, which of his children he was going to send to the Vulcan uh, like transportation fleet. I don't remember what they called it, but I, it was really, really cool. And something else that I really appreciated is that when you were inside of Sarek's mind, you got to see these bouts of violence. And it... For the first time, it really reminded me of Mark Leonard's performance of Sarek because in The Next Generation, when he shows up in season three or four uh, in an episode called Sarek, you get to see him kind of losing his sense of, of uh, logic in his old age as he has this disease that's eating away at his ability to control his logic, and he would burst out in anger sometimes. And it was so interesting to see a younger version of that character in a similar outburst. And there was a moment it's like, whoa, that is Sarek. He, he's younger. That's cool. So I dug that a lot. I'm still... Like pissed that this is a prequel. It still doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I I really do wish that they'd set this show in the future of the Star Trek timeline. Just the technology, the the spore drive. I mean, the the look, the feel of the show. All of it would have made much more sense. Even the Klingons. If they'd set this farther in the future, the Klingons would have made a little bit more sense. The way that they look and the way that they act, because uh, it's so wildly different. Especially knowing that Kirk's or, or not Kirk's Enterprise, but I guess at this point it would be. Um, Uh, Pikes Enterprise, Pikes Enterprise is flying out around in the space right now. They, they said that in this, like the most recent episode, Michael Burnham references the Enterprise and the fact that, you know, it's out there right now. We know it's out there. I think Spock is the first officer aboard the Enterprise right now. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Very conflicted. Things that I love about this show, things that I hate about this show. Uh, overall, I'm still, I'm still really excited. I think getting another episode that felt like Star Trek, besides the first two, has just filled me with excitement and hope, and I can't wait to see what they do next. I, I actually didn't get to see Blade Runner. I'm really pissed. I mean, as you know, I'm being treated for Lyme disease, and I actually I had tickets, I had everything set to go, and I had a bad flare-up and couldn't make it. I'm fucking mad. (laughs) I'm mad. I want to see this movie and I want to see it in the theaters like really badly. So I'm still working that out. And hopefully I will see that sometime in the theaters very quickly and be able to talk about it on the show soon. Uh, And if not, worst case scenario, we'll do an episode about it when it comes out on Blu-ray. But yeah, I still haven't seen it. So please don't send me spoilers. I have to say a special thank you to Jeff Anderson. He's been a patron of mine for quite a while on my Patreon page, but he actually just raised his donation, which was amazing. That's never happened. No one's ever changed their donation to go for a higher amount per month. So very, very special thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. And I hope you are enjoying the premium podcast. If you have any issues accessing that on the Patreon page, please let me know and I will help you out. And if you would like to become a patron of this show, help support this podcast, uh, my sci-fi synth pop music, everything that I'm doing with content creation, you can check that out online at patreon.com slash sci fi All right, my friends, we're diving back into the world of Riddick with the movie creatively titled Riddick. Let's
1: do it. Don't know how many times I've been crossed off the list and left for dead. Guess when it first happens, the day you were born, you're gonna lose count. So this, this ain't nothing new. Uh, Leah
0: Russell, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So we finally completed the Riddick trilogy.
1: It was it was a journey. <laughs>
0: yeah, we just watched Riddick, the third Riddick movie.
1: Yeah, it's just plain awkward. old Riddick this time.
0: Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was uh, perplexing.
1: Yeah, the ending in particular. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we're both confused. <laughs> Left
1: uh, a little, little underwhelmed.
0: <laughs> yeah, we both had some issues... With the movie
1: that progressed as the movie went on, totally. It did not start out that way, it started and then out something amazing. happened. <laughs> yeah, it was so
0: weird. There, there was like a turning point in the middle. Yeah. And for me, it was uh, that moment when Riddick says, "At the end of this, I'm going to be balls deep and dull," and it's, it's because she yeah. asked me to. That was the turning point for me, where like, yeah, I like the rest of the movie, oh, I'm like, I, what? Like, wait, who wrote the first half and who wrote the second half?
1: Yeah, and it was like again. I feel like Riddick has been pretty unsexual for the most part, at least towards women. Like, yeah, it, he's always had this kind of like restrained aspect to that, at least as I've perceived it so far. Like, even in the beginning,
0: I of agree the with film. that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he's there in was control like the, of his urges. You know? Yeah,
1: exactly. And there was never like any makeout scenes or anything, and he was never really like hitting on girls before, maybe like in a subtle kind of way, but not like so blatant and crude like that at all like
0: it's it seemed like in the other movies he was kind of
1: characteristic like
0: respectful to women yeah and not like pushy in not, any way
1: not disrespectful at all yeah, yeah totally and it was just it was so out of the blue especially given i don't know it was like you wanted there to be a juxtaposition between the really rapey awful right assassin guy and yeah, Santana. yeah exactly. Yeah. And... Yeah.
0: They went out of their way to make the most despicable bad guy that I've seen in a really long time. Yeah. Like, yeah. extremely effectively characterize this person as the worst.
1: The absolute worst.
0: Someone was... that you, like, really want to see them die. In a you know, horrible in the way. Yeah. And, and then do. it happens. And, and it's then
1: satisfying.
0: I felt bad. <laughs> I was <Really>? like, no. <laughs> that was more than I wanted.
1: It was a lot. <laughs> like, I just I wanted like, well... him to
0: get stabbed or something. I didn't need to see his, like, skull ripped off and see his tongue yeah. inside of his yeah. skull. That it was, was gross. It was definitely
1: gory. Yeah. For sure. But I liked it was like such a ridiculous badass moment that i felt satisfied in like catching the fucking sword with his foot and then kicking it up and kicking it at the guy and hacking his head in half and then kicking the box over yeah it lands in the box it was
0: way too much
1: it was a lot but i was like well they went there i i i think they went balls to the wall balls deep
0: they like (laughs) Go balls deep on, on, on fucking like, paying off your... Does, it was like a Joffrey situation from Game of Thrones. Have you seen Game of Thrones? I
1: have Thrones? not seen Game of Thrones. Uh,
0: yeah, Joffrey's this guy that you just really, really hate.
1: And he dies in a terrible way.
0: Yeah, and it's supposed to make you feel good that he died that way. And that's like... That always... I don't know. That doesn't work for me. I always feel yeah. bad. I'm yeah. like, oh, I wanted that's him dead and now he's good. dead and it's my fault.
1: It's, <laughs> I wish this on yeah, him. Yeah, I have wrought this. That's,
0: totally... we got off topic of what we were saying before where we felt like the treatment of women in this movie kind of crossed a line where i mean i mean for me personally it made it hard for me to enjoy as much as the others and it's a really fine line because the others are like very gratuitously
1: yeah like
0: sexualizing a lot of the women in the in the films
1: but there were less like i feel like it was more visual in the other films and less of these like overtly sexual lines being spoken it was yeah. less spoken and more kind of shown
0: yeah like Riddick Riddick wasn't that way in the other two movies and maybe no. that was what it was for me is like when when Riddick is acting that way it kind of
1: it ruins, ruins, it. ruins the fun because for because <laughs> you want I don't know maybe some people are like oh yeah get it Riddick but it's like but it no it made me like him a lot less and you want yeah. to just root for him and think that he's like that he's different man Totally. It's gotta be different. The
0: whole point of all this in my mind has always been that like Riddick is the ultimate badass. Exactly.
1: Like he doesn't have to like and he doesn't have to say, I'm gonna be balls deep in you or whatever. Like he doesn't even have to. The
0: ultimate badass would never say that. No. You know, only like a misogynistic a misogynistic asshole asshole would say that. And making him that person in that moment sucked and like and it bothered so th- me
1: and like and she's this badass woman and it was like okay well i'm totally disrespecting you now whereas in you know the last movie with what was it kira kira yeah, yeah kira um it was like he showed her some respect oh yeah you know and she was a badass and it felt like he like there was no sexual tension yeah. between
0: them, you know? Yeah. It was like a, a father-daughter relationship mm-hmm. and he treated her with a lot of respect and she treated it in the same way. And it was really yeah. satisfying, you know. Yeah. I really I enjoyed was, that. Was, yes. Um even, and the movie like sexualized that one pilot woman who was part of that other mercenary group yeah. every time. She was on screen. They cut right to her boobs, and yep. it's like, okay, buddy, I, I get it. It's and they give
1: them these costumes. It's like the women are always in these like super tight, low cut yeah, tank absolutely. tops. Absolutely, and even in the first up, movie like, too. Yeah. yeah, put
0: always a push up bra. Right, but but they've never had their and it's I don't know. I mean, as much as that stuff bothers me, it didn't like make me dislike the movie. It just made me feel like it was juvenile. Yeah, and it's a juvenile exactly. franchise. Totally. So who cares? You know? Yeah, well, I mean that's it's not like who cares. But I guess it's like. It it's does. It doesn't, it doesn't destroy my experience. Expect. It's like yeah. maybe they don't know that that's not cool, and maybe they need to be told that. But yeah. besides that, this movie and was to put good. Butts you know,
1: in seats with hot people, and
0: yeah, totally. That. Yeah, and that's a big part of Hollywood, and it's not going to go away overnight. But right. at the same time like, the, the main relationship with a woman in the other movie was, like, really strong, especially mm-hmm. in The Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's like they didn't get everything wrong. And in this mm-hmm. one, I felt like, as far as their treatment of women, they got everything, everything wrong. Everything wrong. The first woman that we see on the planet is, like, killed within minutes, and it's just, like, it was so weird. It was, like, felt like she was just literally an object in the story, you know? All of the, the women story, were
1: know? sexual objects, and then there was, like, that slave woman on this um, yeah. the ship that they that the kids set free and then they just shot her and They d- and she died and yeah. she was like running away in this like overly sexualized way with like yeah. you know
0: <laughs> it's like the movie got off on killing like hot women, like yeah. making women out to be like sexual objects, and then doing awful things to them. And yeah, it, it felt like I was seeing like a level of the film creator's psyche coming through that was kind of that disturbing. It was like
1: me. ugly, yeah. yeah. That hadn't come through in the other films. It was like, yeah, he was pushing too many boundaries or something, or letting too much out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, for me, I didn't really even notice it until that Riddick line in the middle. And then from then on out, it was all I could see all
1: downhill. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And I like, I love, uh, Oh my God. What's her name?
1: Katie Sackhoff.
0: Katie Sackhoff. Thank you. I love Katie Sackhoff. Like, yeah. I, I watched every episode of Battlestar and <laughs> sometimes I love that show and sometimes I hated it. But for better or worse, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. And she was incredible in it. And I was so excited to see her in this movie. It felt like reconnecting with an old friend in a really mm-hmm. interesting way because I hadn't seen her in so long in anything. And she, you know, she was very different in this movie than she was as Starbuck. And she's such a strong actress, and she's, like, someone that comes to mind when you think of strong women. Mm -hmm. And it really kind of was hard for me to see her in this part, because, um, like, the first half of the movie was fine. But then after that moment where Riddick says... I mean, they, they like, show her topless, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's obvious that the movie, like, is excited about doing that. And I I don't know. I mean, that's a whole conversation that I don't know how I would even wade into. Yeah. (laughs) But... But, I mean, she seemed like a strong character Mm -hmm. for the first half of the movie. And then in the second half, uh, after Riddick says that to her and she just kind of smiles at him and, like, seems excited by it, it it just destroyed that character. It did. It crumbled her into a little bits. And, like, it wasn't even a person anymore. And it just really bothered me a
1: lot. And it was especially (laughs) upsetting because they'd established her as a lesbian.
0: Exactly. Why
1: even throw in those, like... Oh, he turned her straight or something?
0: Exactly. Are you
1: fucking kidding me? That exactly. It me drove off. me
0: crazy. Then when it's all over, and the rest of you are ready for dead animal pickup,
1: I'm gonna go balls deep into doll. But only because she asked me to. Sweet like.
0: That's I mean that's a big key piece of that is they they established her as as being gay and I was and so they like completely like, delegitimized de-
1: yeah de- I can't say that
0: my de- delegitimized de- that's a hard one <laughs>
1: that's hard delegitimized
0: anyway, de-
1: they did that yeah. to her sexuality
0: totally and and I think they delegitimized her as a cha- oh I did it
1: nice um, as a character the at the same
0: I'm not gonna try again because I'll fuck it up <laughs> uh, because like. They didn't give us that much information about her, but I did think it was really interesting to have this woman in this movie that was obviously kind of eye candy Mm -hmm. um, like be a strong woman who was gay. You know, I thought that was a cool choice. Yeah. And I I was was actually really into that uh, from a character standpoint. Totally. Especially because it kind of just shut down the fact that all the men were hitting on her.
1: Yeah. Or that there were all men in the crew she was with. It was like, oh, okay. Like, she's... Like, in a weird way for lack of a better term, like, one of the guys, in a sense. You know, it was like they were taking away the, the fact that it's like, oh, it's the one girl with all these guys, and they're yeah. all, like, trying to they're get at They're taking away it the sexual like, tension. Yeah, exactly.
0: Between the characters, at, mm-hmm. at least. And I actually really appreciated that, because yeah. I was like, I, I expect them to use a, a woman in these types of movies mm-hmm. as, like, you know, something for the lead character to fall in love with. And yeah, without actually being a character yeah, in their was own like, right. Oh, you know? cool! She's
1: not just there for like the romantic totally interest, and she's there to like be the badass and yeah, and like yeah she's like actually a
0: person who exists on this crew, and she just happens to be a woman, and she just happens to be gay and totally like that's why she's and she's in the movie because she's part of the crew, not because she's here she's for Riddick to flirt with. And I was mm-hmm. and and then at the moment that Riddick flirts with her, she changes her sexuality and her character yeah, and completely. That's never
1: mentioned again, and it's like never mentioned what again. And
0: she flirts with him the whole rest of the movie. Yeah. And it's so weird. And
1: then even at the end when they're like pulling him up, uh, you know, off the little fucking ledge. And she's like, I'm going to ask you something sweetly or whatever. Just like. And I was like. Like he said to her. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Like we're basically the writer is just like getting off on his own little fantasy.
0: I felt like I was watching the writer masturbate. Yeah. I'm like the writer is. And now this lesbian
1: (laughs) is totally going to turn straight for him. (laughs) Totally. And like and she's been so mean to these other guys and now she's gonna like give him exactly what he said she was gonna give him and yeah. like, <laughs> Jesus. It,
0: it made me feel like the whole character of Riddick is maybe like the super ego of the writer it's his mm. idealized version of himself
1: oh totally
0: <laughs> and he's living out his own fantasies by writing these movies and that's like the first two movies felt a little bit like you were living out a fantasy you know yeah like uh in a way that I really enjoyed and, yeah and especially like the chronicles of riddick the second one really stuck with me
1: i really enjoyed that movie yeah i
0: really liked it and it, it, the it, i think it's kind epic. of because of that like wish fulfillment of like living out a sci-fi adventure in this mm-hmm. fun way and the third one had a lot of that i mean the first half i was so into and we got to talk about that too because i was like mm-hmm. really into it in yeah. a really hardcore way <laughs> but the second half kind of like It crumbled. It it crumbled. And then it made me... And it, like,
1: defined the movie for me a little bit. Oh,
0: absolutely. It completely defined the movie. And it also kind of redefined the series for me. Yeah. (laughs) As I start to think about what... If this is, like the superego of the, of the creator mm-hmm. and the creator has these impulses to show these things. Like maybe I shouldn't like this. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In a weird way that made me feel like super pretentious, but I'm going to, you know, that's what happened. So I'm going to talk about it.
1: Yeah, that's
0: fair. <laughs> Like I, you know, I'll be pretentious once in a while. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Mm mm-hmm. I don't know. I watched a lot of of Frasier. I liked it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Just, you know, by watching Frasier. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like such a a jerk sometimes when I get on these rants about things I really didn't like, but, but it, but it's like something, if it goes against my like Starfleet values, I feel the need to like point it out. (laughs) Yeah, And this
1: is like, and this is a, you know, a current issue and it's
0: absolutely. And and it's it's a big issue right now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And this was just like, And it wasn't like this was a subtle display of it. It was just blatant and crude.
0: Yeah, and that, I mean, that character was almost raped and then Mm -hmm. beat off her attacker in a scene that we didn't see and then never really seemed upset, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It it was, I don't know. Yeah, it bothered me.
1: Yep. Not that the chains aren't a hot look, but no, I'm not going to straddle you in front of all these guys. What if I killed all of them first? Easy, boy. There's a lot more trank where that came from.
0: The ending was weird. The ending... What was. It? We both had different theories on what was happening at the very end. When Riddick goes back to his people that he left in the I beginning. I don't think I fully have necromongers. a theory.
1: Yeah.
0: So he went back to the Necromongers and they were outside of this thing that you were saying you thought was a black hole, and I actually yeah. thought that at first also,
1: because uh, I thought that's why the guy was praying because they're going to this thing. Yeah, way out. Then but then
0: Carl Urban says, Tran-, "You hear his voice say transcendence. transcendence," and then I thought that that was a pl- implying that 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 was him, that that black hole looking thing was a transcendent form of of this person mm-hmm. that they were worshiping or something like that. But then the oh. movie just ends right after yeah. that. And it's, and it's just, so tacked on and like not related to the movie at all.
1: Not related to the rest of the movie. And uh-uh. like, Yeah, the whole shit with that. Yeah, they should have had more Carl Urban. Just oh, my saying. God.
0: Carl Urban was awesome. Yeah. Which brings me back to things that I loved about this movie. Yeah. Motherfucking Carl Urban.
1: Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I loved him in the second one. I was so thrilled to see him back. I was thrilled yeah. to see it, like that storyline addressed, the fact that he took over that whole right. group of people. You keep it, yeah. you kill. For a
1: second, I was worried. I was like, they got it. Address that but of course yeah. did. It, it was a continuation
0: totally yeah. yeah i was i was told by other people that it wasn't a continuation and i didn't know what that meant and i think what they meant is that they just walk away from that storyline but to mm-hmm. me like i just wanted continuity in riddick's life you know yeah like if you're watching doctor who and they suddenly jump forward 200 years in the doctor it drives me crazy because i don't know what happened to him for 200 years yeah but if they just tell me like riddick's here now on this planet trying to survive Fine, that's yeah. cool. I love okay. that. Yeah. that's what I'm here for. You know. Yeah, totally. But tell me how we got here at least, and then they, and did. they did. And yeah. I loved it. It was, I was great. Like, oh, great!
1: I was so relieved when they did that.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh,
1: cool. We're gonna like see how this ties yeah. together and like what happened since then.
0: Uh, yeah, and they did a really good job of tying those two stories together because I think that it would have. It didn't even occur to me before this, but I think it would have shackled this movie to have him running from the necromongers the whole time. Yeah, which is what I expected is that mm-hmm. he would try to. Like, he would hate his new life and want to escape, and I was half right. Yeah. Uh, But then he'd be, like, running away from necromongers who worship him now and want him back or something like that. That was my Mm -hmm. theory. Uh, And, in fact, the necromongers are trying to kill him because they think he's impure. Uh, but Carl Urban wasn't, it turns out, which I, we, t- in the very beginning, now I'm just rambling, but in the beginning, <laughs> I thought that Carl Urban was actually on the side of Riddick the whole time. And in the end, I think they said that, yes, he was. But it was yeah, really hard was to tell. I was
1: confused about that. I was like, <laughs> wait, what is going on? What was their whole deal with taking him to his planet? And what, like, I didn't fully understand that I, dynamic. It wasn't
0: that. 100% explained, but okay. my, what I took from it was that the dude with the weird. Lines on his face that we saw yeah. again at the end uh-huh. uh, was part of this, you know, heretical group or what's the word? Yeah, Is heretical. Correct? I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> extremist group. Okay, yeah. That wants uh, Riddick dead because he's not a true believer in the faith. Mm-hmm. But I think that you know, in Necromonger faith, if if someone kills the leader, they take over. And I think right. that Carl Urban respects Riddick and believes that he's the real leader. You know, because he's a true man of oh. faith in that society. That was my theory, anyway, at the end of the last movie. And I was... In this movie, I felt like he treated him with respect and, you know, mm-hmm. did seem yeah, when to he, like, like him. he, didn't
1: fucking try to kill him when he had the knife in his hand. Just, totally. Like, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh. And yeah. there was this moment when, like, he... I don't even remember what exactly he was saying because I was so captured by the look in his eyes, by like what was going on behind his words. It was like, it was almost like he was so impassioned and intense, it looked like he was almost like on the verge of tears, but like not, it was like, it was stunning acting, to I be agree. honest. It I agree. It was, was like, so good. Oh he did
0: so much with so little. He's in yeah. the movie for like three minutes. Yeah. And then, so basically, the part of this movie that I love is the Carl Urban version, where from that moment <laughs> on, he proceeds to transcend into a crazy creature of light. And that's my theory anyway. I mean, they did not confirm that in the movie, but...
1: At, oh, like, like what that's, was that? That's what I
0: took from it, from that, like, whispered
1: transcendence
0: at the very end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have transcended, and I am light and i'm absorbing the ship
0: you know like as a sci-fi nerd turning into a being of light is something that comes up a lot and it's something that oh, okay, i feel yeah. as ah! like what do you want to sit up here come here <laughs> he's just like barking at me and clawing at me it's come like, here you can sit with me
1: up oh that's so
0: cute oh that reminds me we gotta talk about the dog in this movie
1: oh yeah oh <laughs> well, my god we gotta talk about yeah. the dog okay yeah
0: um carl urban oh yeah so like like, in Cocoon, there are like, creatures of light. In Star Trek, there's a movie. I think it's actually a movie. There's an episode in Next Generation. I think it's called Transcendence. I mm. think it might... Am I remembering this correctly? Where somebody turns... <laughs> where somebody turns into a being of light as, like, the next stage of evolution. So, based off of those things, that's what this made me think of. But I'm not sure if that's what the mm. creator was intending. It just reminded I mean, me of something possible. I've seen before.
1: I mean... Yeah, especially if they even use the same word, transcendence, it might have just kind of been a nod to that. I don't, that
0: can't be right. Maybe it's, maybe it's like transformations or something. Oh. Now I have to look it up. <laughs> now I'm bothered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. we have
1: to look up if her name was D-A-H-L or Oh, we or do doll. need to look
0: that up. Yeah. yeah.
1: Doll or doll.
0: <laughs> what was the word we were just saying? Transcendence. Trans- T-N-G. Trans. Transfigurations. Oh. That was close. (laughs) No, it's Transfigurations. But anyway, there's that episode where he turns into (laughs) a being light. Um, So that story I found, like, super interesting. And whatever Mm -hmm. that dynamic was, was fantastic. Nobody won the crown.
1: Transcendence.
0: I adored the beginning of the movie when you just kind of crash land on this planet with Riddick and he's just surviving. I mean, that's
1: in like a really hardcore way. And and each time you're like, Oh my God, how's he going to get out of this one? How's he going to do it? And he does, you know, he's going to, Yeah, you're still like, but how?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's, he's just like the ultimate survivor. He can survive any situation. And eventually every situation will come down to this, like, empirical point where you will need riddick or you will die and right that's what happens in every movie
1: yeah and that's a really cool kind of switch that happens it's always yeah. really interesting and yeah. it's like and then in riddick and it becomes clear that like riddick is not just a senseless killer he really right. only kills people who a are just shitty like who are villains or who tried to kill him
0: yeah and he then seems if, like, to have if like a not, moral calling
1: Oh, totally. Like, and if you're not actively trying to kill him, he won't kill you. Like that, yeah. you know, when that guy came around the corner to kill, he just like asked him, are you afraid of me? Are they afraid of me? And then something else happened. Something yeah. weird happened. We don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> and he just, the guy like, survived. And then he just gave him a kiss
0: on the cheek and went up yeah! out the window. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would make so much sense, actually. For the, the look guy. on his face after? Yeah, he I was think like, so. He se- yeah, he was like a little like... It's like he'd seen God. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. He was like, he was just here.
0: They really (laughs) went out of their way to kind of deify Riddick in this movie. Yeah. Especially with a lot of the visuals. The visuals were incredible.
1: Yeah. This movie
0: was gorgeous. Yeah. It looked great. (laughs) Yeah. The cinematography, the special effects, the set design... A hundred percent. I was so into all of it. Yeah. Like the, I wanted one of those motorcycles so badly. Like the spaceships (laughs) were fucking rad. I mean, the creatures were incredible. Yeah. The dog was amazing. Oh,
1: the dog. The dog.
0: That's Uh, actually maybe the other turning point is that once the dog was dead, I was out.
1: Yeah. Didn't care anymore. I knew that was going to happen. I just, I knew it. I was like, there's no way this movie is going to end with that dog alive.
0: I think they killed that dog so that you have to like, Kill something to r- rouse Riddick to action. You know, you always yeah. have to like give him the inspiration, and it's like but, everything
1: that he ever like loves always dies.
0: Always dies. Yeah. But what I was loving about this movie was that Riddick built a real relationship with another creature. Yeah. And he, it, and it wasn't he. He can't do it with a human, so he did it with this dog creature who's hyper intelligent. It's like mm-hmm. really obvious that this dog can understand what Riddick is saying, and yeah, like, like not necessarily. I guess follow orders because he's still a pack creature. So yeah. Riddick is like his alpha dog Mm uh and that relationship was fantastic like so well written and really well performed by the the cgi dog yeah yeah i was really into that character i really loved it it was really
1: nice that it was
0: like making this feel different to me and feel new and interesting for a riddick movie but then after that dog died the rest of the movie was just pitch black all over again
1: exactly i was thinking that the whole time i was like they just added rain I yeah. think it actually does rain in Pitch Black. I think it, it does rain. It does. It yeah. totally does. It's like but they totally racing.
0: like recapped Pitch Black in the Chronicles of Riddick also. Yeah, there's always and, a moment that feels exactly like Pitch Black in a weird way.
1: Yeah. And this one was really blatant. Even the yeah. creatures were kind of similar. The
0: creatures were very evocative of yeah. the creatures in Pitch Black. Mm-hmm. Totally. But, but even that, like, I, I don't know. I mean, there's things like uh, Jurassic Park, yeah. say. Yeah. The the dinosaurs are gonna get out. You know? Right. There will never be a Jurassic Park movie where the dinosaurs don't get out. They're not
1: like trying to escape through the jungle or whatever. Yeah.
0: Totally. Like if they ever make that movie, it will fail. And if I'm wrong, I will be overjoyed because that would be crazy. But I'm (laughs) I don't. I don't think that the, that's ever going to happen. And the
1: dinosaurs don't get out. Yeah. They stay in their cages, and uh, it becomes very successful.
0: <laughs> I. I can't. I can't even imagine it. Like I can't imagine a world in which that film happens ever.
1: It uh, actually is a drama about um, the married couple and like <laughs> the just family like, drama. It
0: just turns into that dinosaur sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, but and maybe that's what these movies are. Is that they're always going to have a moment where you're like.
1: It's pitch like, black. Yeah, like fighting
0: from like creatures in the dark, running from weather. You know, like, yeah, it's always gonna happen. Or it's like
1: somebody's gonna get left behind. But oh no, not really. There is some oh humanity god. in the world. Oh
0: my god, yeah. And th- by the time that happened, I didn't care.
1: Yeah. in this movie
0: because yeah. they really lost my trust as a film.
1: Viewer. I mean, I w- I will say that I was happy the moment that I was like, ah, they came back for him. Like I I had that little like
0: it yeah. was nice.
1: And you're like, oh okay, you know the what? pilot right. guy was just going you're right. I felt that yeah didn't abandon him he was just like oh i felt that i clearly can't take you and make it i'll go and like come back
0: i felt that and mm-hmm. then katie sackoff straddled riddick
1: oh my that was some the of worst. the worst
0: dialogue of the whole film was spoken oh and then i just felt sick to my stomach yeah
1: i mean that <laughs> moment ruined the fact that they came back and saved
0: absolutely 100 percent.
1: let me ask you something sweet like she should have like scorned his advances and just been like. You she know, should
0: have just like ignored him, and said or like, been like,
1: "Don't push your like, luck" or something uh, like that.
0: Totally, like maybe like help him get back in the ship, but say something kind of stopping the situation to him.
1: Exactly, and it's very, very it
0: could much be implied. Playful,
1: even like, very
0: it, much implied that they slept together after that. You know. Oh,
1: oh yeah, absolutely. Like
0: he, Riddick says, like keep doll warm for me or something like that. Yeah. What did he
1: say? He Something did. Like that. Oh, that was horrible. Okay,
0: we have to look up this character's name because they call her Doll. And it's like, hey, Doll. And yeah. after a while, I'm like, are they calling her Doll? But then halfway through the movie, I'm like, is her name Dahl? Like D-A-H-L? Is that her last name? Yeah, because
1: suddenly it started to sound like Dahl instead of like Doll. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, that's such a subtle difference. But I just really don't know if I'm making that for a Yeah,
0: it's a big difference. <laughs> uh, so I just looked it up and it is... Uh, I, I just opened the Wikipedia page. It is indeed Dahl, like Roll Dahl. D-A-H-L. Okay. Her last name is Dahl. Okay. But that, that's a bizarre choice of name because then they I have someone like saying, intense. Hey, Dahl, all movie.
1: Yeah. And it's... The girl, and I just feel like it's intentional.
0: It felt intentional in a weird way. It it did. did. Well, just
1: it wouldn't have if the movie hadn't had so many moments of blatant sexual exploitation. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's I. It's a hard thing to.
1: Yeah,
0: it's a hard thing to like draw that line because those other the other movies had these things. You know, it's not like they didn't have them. It's just that it
1: was. This it just became so noticeable and so yeah. in your face. The other ones had like m- more subtle, like little b- glimpses of it. Yeah, you know, like that you could kind of like.
0: You know what it was? It was like intentionally trying to be a B movie. You know, yeah. Where like if you're gonna have a a B slasher movie, you have to like have a bunch of people in a bikini get killed or something yeah. like that. It's like a trope when when used can be kind of like referencing a social thing that we've all experienced in a way that's almost funny and intentional.
1: Yeah.
0: And that doesn't, that, sometimes I think that can be done well, you know, mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like I couldn't tell with Riddick and I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt for what they were doing in the first yeah. two movies. But the third movie, I felt like, nope, nope, this is, Just blatant misogyny all over the place, and I didn't notice before. I'll bet if I went back and watched the other two, I'd feel the same way now.
1: Yeah, because now we'd be watching it with a different lens on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is frustrating because it's it's the director's the writer director's fault, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: It was like a it was like a thing that was all over the movie, very blatant, very intentional.
1: Yeah. It was like they start to do a little bit at the beginning and then they're like, oh, we can just put this everywhere. You're right. It was like watching them masturbate (laughs) all over the second half of that movie.
0: Yeah. It reminded me of my fantasies from being a teenager in a bad way. You know what I mean? Like the things that I grew out of. Mm-hmm. Um, like oh my god wouldn't it be amazing if I were like a spaceship captain and I rescued a, a gorgeous woman and she fell in love with me because I'm <laughs> so amazing like yeah. that's, that's like what I was like at a teenager I'm like oh Han Solo you're my hero you know Yeah, yeah. And I feel like this took that to like a, an adult level where it becomes unhealthy and,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it bothered me
1: that's so accurate yeah <laughs> were you just purging out on me somehow may all your dreams
0: come. Okay, so before we started talking, we opened up Wikipedia to take a look at what the world has to say about this movie. Because I'm so curious, and also what the fuck happened at the end. Yes. All right, so let's see if we can find anything interesting. there's a interesting. section
1: in Wikipedia about the ending. There's gotta be.
0: I hope so. All right, <laughs> Development. Uh, let's see, rumors of a third film now I'm just reading to you, but
1: (laughs) it's a podcast,
0: it's an auditory medium so here we go, (laughs) rumors of a third film in the Chronicles of Riddick series had circulated since 2006, at first Tui, the director, assumed that the film would be an independent, low budget production rather than being released by Universal Studios as the other films in the series had been despite the second film's tepid reception Diesel and Tui remained optimistic about a third film, pushing it towards completion everyone knows that I love the Riddick character I'm always working on it, Diesel asserted it just takes five years to make another one because David Tui and I are so precise about it. Oof. Uh, in 2006, no. Diesel agreed to make a cameo in Universal's film The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift in exchange, oh my God, in exchange for the ownership to the rights to the Riddick franchise and the character. Whoa. over the next I had no idea. Holy shit. Over the next four years, Diesel periodically posted information on his own Facebook page updating fans on the film's progress. In November 2009, shortly after Tui had finished the script, he announced that pre-production work was underway. Wow
1: that's wow. fascinating
0: i have to okay now i'm now i'm sucked into this story let's yeah, keep going
1: that's interesting
0: in april 2010 a review of the riddick screenplay it was subtitled dead Man's stalking gross appeared on the coming attractions website free from the constraints of delivering a pg-13 movie the dialogue in dead Man's stalking is more suited to a film like training day the mercs we meet are hard living people not those wash out fake out space space mercs from a film like alien resurrection wrote reviewer patrick sorry
1: What does that... What? What?
0: That's a horrible description of of what happened in the movie. That
1: makes no... Yeah, that doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. Wait, this is... I'm going to read that again. This is the quote. Free... Because it didn't make sense. Free from the constraints of delivering a PG-13 movie, the dialogue in Dead Man's stalking is more suited to a film like Training Day. The mercs we meet are hard-living people, not those washout, out space mercs from a film like Alien Resurrection. What? That is a bizarre quote.
1: That... Yeah, that's still doesn't even fully make sense to me yeah like
0: like, i mean he's trying to say that it's like it seems like a real like crime like drama intense like movie dialogue like crime drama dialogue i guess in space maybe is what he's trying to say i don't don't find that to be true at all i thought (laughs) that the dialogue was like intentionally like as grandiose and stupid as possible. But yeah, all of these movies yeah. are that way and it's part of the fun of it. That's
1: part of well, yeah, it's a very grandiose film. Like you know yeah. you're gonna see a kind of over the top action sci-fi yeah. movie.
0: I feel like the other two movies kind of hit the nail like right on the head as far as having the dialogue be really stupid and like, I'm an action hero and I just saved the day, but said in like different ways over and over. Yeah. The one-liners they they nailed those one-liners. The third movie, I don't remember ever feeling like they nailed a one-liner.
1: No. In fact, there was something I was just like, what the fuck? Totally. Yeah.
0: I didn't think the dialogue was impressive in this movie.
1: No, not at all. I mean, I didn't... Part of the reason the first half of the movie was so good is there was very little dialogue. It was mostly hundred
0: percent, yeah.
1: Riddick, like, being Riddick and surviving. Totally. Being a badass. And it
0: was awesome. Like, that, that movie was great. You know, like, the movie in the first half where it's just Riddick by himself with his dog trying to survive. Yeah. I was so into that and
1: i was like maybe they're gonna do this most of the film i would have loved that yeah
0: Like, Riddick coming to terms with his personal demons from living alone on a planet for, Mm -hmm. like, 15 years. And, like, developed
1: his story a little bit more. Yeah. And then had some crazy action shit at the end. And then he discovers it's Furia
0: that he's been on all along. Like, where was that? Where was that? Why didn't that happen?
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. They never addressed that.
0: I totally thought that at the end of the movie, we're going to find out he's been on Furia the whole time. Yeah. But I was wrong.
1: And why does he want to go back? I thought his plan was destroyed.
0: Yeah, I don't know. They were destroyed by the Necromongers, right? Yeah. I... that that story i don't know like riddick discovering remains of his people while he's on this planet i that's what i was thinking we were getting
1: yeah and
0: i was super off base but i really want that other thing more than i want what we got (laughs) yeah um okay there's more here let's see uh so that was that crazy quote uh on february 9th 2010 diesel confirmed in an update on his facebook page that one of the locations used in the upcoming sequel would be the white desert in farafra farafra egypt farafra Fra- f-a-r-a-f-r-a that is a fantastic word that's now stuck in my head for the rest of time
1: Fra-ra-fra.
0: he mentioned the terrain features unique to the area oh he mentioned the terrain features unique to the area would lend to the off-planet atmosphere of the film <laughs> <laughs> I read that wrong. The <laughs> on March 13th, 2011, Diesel released a video on his, Facebook, on his official Facebook page in which he and director David Toohey talked about the proposed third film. They reaffirmed that the movie would be rated R, like the first one, a priority for them, and they planned to shoot it lean and quickly. In September 2011, it was announced that Carl Urban would reprise his role as Vaco from, I, don't, I think that's how you say it from the Chronicles of Riddick. I never knew his name in the movies Mm. and that's why I was confused at the end because they were referencing him by name and I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I was
1: like, I think that's Carl Urban but maybe it's the guy with the scars or is it someone else? Yeah, I'm like, it's probably Carl
0: Urban, right? Because they're, I mean, they've been talking about him a lot. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like I would talk about Carl Urban a lot if you were there. That's that's what I would talk about. That's
1: all I would talk about.
0: In January 2012, it was announced that Katie Sackhoff and Matt Nabel had also joined the cast since they did not have enough money to shoot the film in its entirety. Diesel had to mortgage his house, obtain loans, and spend most of his personal money on the production of the film. Whoa. I had to leverage my house, Diesel says. If we didn't finish the film, I would be homeless. That was my Vin Diesel impression. It was very bad. No, no. I apologize. (laughs) Uh... Principal photography, I hope filming began, blah, blah, blah. Critical response. Riddick was met with mixed reviews. Uh, 58% approval rating, 5.4 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. Consensus yeah. states, it may not win the franchise many new converts, but this back-to-basics outing brings Riddick fans more of the brooding sci-fi action they've come to expect. Metacritic, another review aggregation website, which assigns a normalized rating out of 100, blah, 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 gave it 49 out of 100. So pretty bad reviews that's pretty
1: bad it's
0: pretty bad i'm gonna skip the rest of the reviews i think we i want to see if there's more like
1: it's not surprising
0: oh interesting um so box office 42 million in north america um wow
1: is that good
0: well if it was really cheap that's really good like if it were a big budget movie that would be a disaster but if it were made for like 5 to 10 million that would be amazing. Mm. Uh so it really depends. I didn't I don't know what the budget is. I don't see it here. Uh maybe the, is that like listed at the top of the page or something? Uh blah 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 blah. Budget 38 million, box office 98 million. So that's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's great. They opened a on number one. They got half their budget back on the first day of opening. So Oh good. Uh, yeah, that so, really, like
1: makes me happy. Like I just want I was like, oh, yeah. I want Vin Diesel to be okay. Oh yeah, he Vin Martin's- Diesel's
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Vin Diesel's okay. They they made their money back in then Good. some. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So differences in plot from theatrical release. This is interesting. A number of additions to the plot are included in the director's cut of the movie, which was released on Blu-ray and DVD, and provides a longer story than the theatrical version. The extended cut of the movie is four hundred eighty-eight point eight seconds, or approximately eight minutes nine seconds longer. <laughs> That's not approximate than the theatrical version and in- includes extended and additional scenes not seen in the theatrical version. In the new ending to the movie, Crone, who had previously left Riddick for dead on the planet, is seen kneeling before the window and praying to the Underverse. Praying to the Underverse. Oh, that... The Underverse. don't know what oh,
1: that is. Oh, my God. He totally transcended into the Underverse.
0: Oh, wasn't that a thing from the first movie? That, Prob- like-
1: that you become part of the Underverse or something? I
0: yeah, don't know. I don't... That's ringing a bell now. I don't remember that at all, though, if it was. Uh, Through the viewport, the entire fleet is seen gravitating towards a massive portal in space, presumably the threshold to the Underverse. Riddick arrives and threatens Krohn, demanding to know where Vako is. Krohn begins by telling him that Vako is no longer among us and continues on by saying that Vako did indeed plan to honor his word and bring Riddick to Furia, but that Krohn had interfered with Vako's plans and made a choice to abandon Riddick on the other planet. As Krohn condemns Riddick for being a misbeliever and unfit to lead the Necromongers, Riddick thrusts his blade into the back of Krohn's neck, killing him and coldly muttering, too many words. (laughs) Riddick then turns to a female slave and asks her if Vako is alive or dead, to which she replies both. Riddick appears somewhat puzzled at the response and approaches the viewport, gazing at the massive portal outside while Vako's voice echoes the word transcendence. So there must have been something in the religion about transcendence that we forgot. Yeah. Because, like, the underverse rings a bell, like, they maybe had talked about that and I had forgotten.
1: I mean, yeah, that's cool, but it just... It makes no sense to the rest of the movie.
0: Uh, and, it, and it literally was tacked it on. Of, like, it, oh, it came it out of fucking nowhere. It didn't just seem tacked on. It, it was, was tacked, tacked on. on. It's like an... Miles, if you want to be, like, on, the couch, like, oh, be man, on the couch...
1: They're like, oh, man, how do we end this trilogy? Uh, and oh. I, I mean, it was just such a cop-out.
0: I, I kind of like it as an extra scene. I like it as an end credits scene. I don't like it as the end of the movie. I, it, it felt... Um, I actually, really, I actually really love it as an end credit scene, to be honest. Like, the idea that this cool character transcended, that his religion, his faith was real, I think is really mm-hmm. interesting. There's a whole story there that I would love to dive into. I mean, that's, that's what I would have loved from this movie is maybe yeah. some of those threads were more uh, present out. throughout yeah. the whole movie. Um, I really thought that was pretty sweet <laughs> and I but I do think that you know they had the ending of the movie as him being rescued is like someone trying to save him mm-hmm. uh and you know him needing help and that kind of being this big thing that's new and different for him and him like almost getting killed in a in a way that is actually almost deadly to him you know because he's so hard to kill and a a theme in the movie is him getting older and getting softer because he spent this time leading these other people and trying to harden himself again Mm -hmm. and then i liked the idea that he needed help at the end i think that that's kind of cool and a really nice uh a nice way to wrap things up for that character in that in that story and then to jump right into something else that made it feel like the whole movie had been about something else was weird.
1: Yeah, it was totally... It felt completely disjointed. Yeah. Yeah. the uh, There needed to be a more of a through line through it. It was like they had it at the beginning and the end, and then the entire mass meat of the movie, it was just something totally different.
0: Yeah, like as soon as the mercs land on the planet, you've got a movie that I don't care for.
1: Yeah, but, it totally takes a turn.
0: Yeah, the, the whole first half of the movie... I mean, I guess that's not true. Like, there was parts with the Mercs that I was enjoying, Mm -hmm. but I liked it a lot less than when Riddick was alone. And that was really interesting to me, is that, like, I loved being alone with Riddick on this planet. I loved it. It was so cool. And then, it's such a weird thing that adding in all of these characters and all of this, like, interesting plot points and storylines that are happening, all these people hunting him at once... Um, it wasn't as interesting, you know, because yeah. Riddick wasn't in it very much. He, he It kind of turned into... I looked at you at one point and said, this is like a monster movie where Riddick is the monster.
1: Yeah, which is a really cool observation. I like that a lot because not only did it feel that way as if, you know... It, Exactly what you said—that Riddick is the monster in this film, but that you're on the side of the monster as well. So you're like, oh, he's yeah. gonna get. So it's not like, oh no, he's gonna get him. And you're like, oh, he's gonna get him. Yeah, you know, like, it's let's go. Riddick.
0: Weird, yeah. Because I was kind of on the side of some of the Mercs as well, like
1: some of them, uh, yeah.
0: John's and his crew, uh, Doll. Like I liked these characters mm-hmm. yeah. and I wanted them to be okay.
1: But all the other ones, you want? Oh dead. my god! All the, the awful other guys, they—they
0: were, they were so. The, that one guy was so despicable yeah. that, uh, like that, uh, what's his name? Um, Santana, Santana. Yeah. Santana was so despicable that it almost made me question the writer. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I totally get that. It's like, how did you yeah. create this character?
0: In the environment where like women are kind of being mistreated left and right mm-hmm. to have this like, this like insane rapist among the crew was yep. troubling. It yeah. was weird. Actually, doll, I think
1: we have something going. I don't fuck guys
0: either. For most of the movie, I appreciated it, to be honest. like For most of the movie, I was like, well, man, you're really doing a good job of making me hate this character. Yeah. But then when they killed him and it was it became clear that the only reason that character had been there was to make you hate him so they could kill him in the most gruesome way so that you could get yeah. off on it. That's mm-hmm. when I felt like I'd been misled somehow.
1: <laughs> that totally makes sense, yeah. And that's exactly what it was, too, just to like, like, oh, yeah, now he's dead, and it was like in this horrible horrible he's dead
0: you're welcome yeah exactly i i I don't mind when like the bad guy gets his due but you know there are ways to do it that feel satisfying and i think uh like lord of the rings is a really good example um spoiler alert for lord of the rings (laughs) have you seen lord of the rings
1: yes yes uh
0: spoilers here we go so at the end of return of the king when Gollum falls into the fire and and he's like killed and you see him like burned to death as he's, like, trying to grab his precious ring. Mm -hmm. In that situation, I did feel like uh, I got the satisfaction of seeing an end to a villain in a way that was not disrespectful to humanity.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this
0: movie, I feel like, I don't know, there's, like, this line that I have where things feel like they are bad for humanity. You know what I mean? I totally
1: felt that way with, like, the girl slave and the way that she, like... That portrayal...
0: I feel the same yeah, way. She yeah, she was
1: a uh, like horrible sex slave and was and then they released her and immediately shot her and she died. And you like watched yeah. her as she died and she was even kind of sexualized in that moment and like Like
0: Riddick was like watching her without saying anything and I don't know. I mean it could be like I would have loved in that moment for him to reach out to her and like be with her as she died. Yes. Like one warrior to another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have loved that, and they didn't do that. Uh, I know. They just wa- he just watched her die, and we watched her die with him. And like that character, I was like, why I even mean,
1: put that in there? There
0: was no reason except for to make you hate the main bad guy. To make you really hate Santana, without
1: that you would have hated him anyway.
0: Totally, and they do a a couple things throughout the movie to make you despise this character.
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, and and they did a really good job of it to the point where I really actively hated that person. Yeah, I hated that person in a way that I haven't hated a person in a long time. Like I hated that character, and that's impressive to me. You know, like in a movie, like I hated that person more than anyone I can think of in my real life. You know, (laughs) like that's intense. Yeah, Uh, and that there's something about that that is good writing because I felt those emotions, Mm -hmm. but then I felt kind of like to make me feel that way. And then to kill him that way to pay off that hatred with his gruesome murder Mm -hmm. is wrong. You know, like that's the wrong thing to do and it's not good. And I like, I, in my, in my line of good versus bad, that's a bad thing. And whether or not that's like good or bad, I'm not saying this in any absolute because I don't believe in absolutes. But for me, that was bad. And I didn't want that to be something that other people saw because I felt like it was seeing a bad thing. Because like that, that mechanic of storytelling had a result that was there to make you feel something that is a thing that, you know, is awful yeah like it wants to make you feel happy that another person has been like decapitated yeah and it's not like in a horror thrasher movie where like part of the fun is the terror of running from something and it has to be deadly enough to actually kill you yeah so you have to see deaths in those movies to make it scary and there is like right. a, a catharsis gruesome, yeah. in that in that gruesome scariness yeah but but this is this is the thing that bothers me about game of thrones sometimes and the reason why uh I wasn't as into the show for a really long time, and I've actually I've really come around. Like the last season was incredible, like some of the best TV I've ever seen. I was really blown away by it. But earlier seasons of that show, when they're like, like, like dismembering people, and then you know doing the most disgusting torture to people, and they're doing it in a way that seems like you're supposed to enjoy it as the viewer, you know, mm. uh, I don't know that. That really bothers me. Yeah, it's like
1: torture porn and torture porn. porn. Yeah, Yeah. I don't
0: like that type of stuff. I don't don't watch that type of stuff at all. I mean, I've never, I've never even tried. Why? Why?
1: Like, (laughs) I like to watch things that I enjoy. Yeah, and that like, and watching those kinds of like torture porn things just makes me feel like anxious and uncomfortable and like. yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, I understand that there are assuredly good movies like that. Yeah. Or they have
1: elements of it.
0: Totally. Like I've never seen Saw or anything like that.
1: I saw the first one.
0: I've heard that was a good movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is. And, but it's like, it's rough. It's like, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. You have to be prepared and know what you're getting into. Cause it's like, I think at the time when I saw, I mean, I was in high school when I saw it and I was less sensitive than I am now yeah. to, you know, like I just was. And now I've grown soft in my old age <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. Now it's like, when I think about that movie, um, I'm, i I kind of get the heebie jeebies and I'm like, yeah. I don't want to watch that again. Like, I don't want to just watch people and like, this horrible pain the whole time
0: yeah that there's no appeal to me there yeah and and, in situations where i've seen something that comes close to that i have trouble with it so i've Mm -hmm. actively avoided movies like that yeah but it's this is a ridiculous example but the closest i've come is watching parodies of things like that on south park particularly the the human centipede Mm. Uh, and i used to be really into south park um and I, I just like fell off because eventually I felt like they're just it just wasn't as funny as it used to be. Mm-hmm. But they've done a couple episodes that bothered me in in this way where I felt like it was bad. You know, it yeah. was like they did something bad for humanity. <laughs> uh, and this human centipede parody that they did felt that way. Oh, um,
1: I haven't seen it.
0: it. Like, and it's based off of this series of movies. Where, yeah, I've
1: heard of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I will describe the human centipede. So if you don't want to hear this, close your ears. But <laughs> Yeah,
1: because it's terrible.
0: Basically, they sew someone's mouth to the butt of someone in front of them. And they
1: do this to several people. To several
0: people. They make a chain of people that that all have to eat. Like, they can't eat anything except for each other's shit. And they just yeah. have to live that way. Mm-hmm. And there's a series of movies where there's this crazy doctor who's, like, kidnapping people and turning them into human centipedes. Yeah. And, like, I will... I will probably never see this movie. No. Like, there's just no interest to me. No, um, not but at all. even just seeing it on South Park, where they actually, like, did it on South Park, like, they sewed people into a human centipede on South Park, like, disturbed me deeply. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, really weird, because it's such a dumb, like, cartoon with cardboard cutouts. But I just, I despised it. Like, I, and it was, I don't know, like, the the whole concept and the idea that it was being done to be funny bothered me. So Mm -hmm. just from the point of view of like, I don't like what the creators are doing right now. You know, I just, I think that this is the wrong thing to put out there when you're making art. I think this is like in, in my, in my mind. And I hesitate to say that also, because like if I ever say there's a wrong thing to do in making art, then I, I like devalue my own art because you know, like, art has to be whatever people think that art has to be. And I'm right. wrong about so much. But I, it's just all personal taste, it's I your, guess.
1: It's your feelings. It's, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah,
0: like, I actually like the fact that people are allowed to make these movies. Because there's probably some sort of catharsis that it can feed that is healthy. And I've heard that mm-hmm. from people who like this type of stuff. That it can be really cathartic to watch these movies. Um, but, that I mean, that's not me. And I just, I don't like to participate. And I don't like to support no. it. And I don't like to see it in... I don't know. I like to, I like everything that I see to have some sort of benefit mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like there's oh, totally. some message or moral or something in it that's good for humanity and
1: I, And that's Okay, so that's the thing that about saw really quickly that like it ultimately does have that message because it's hmm. like the reason these people are being killed is because they like weren't appreciating and enjoying their life. So the whole thing is it's like oh. you won't get captured and killed if you appreciate and enjoy your life. That's
0: interesting. It's like See, that I'm, seems like, worthwhile.
1: Yeah. Like it's that's and then they lose that in the other films. I think I saw the second saw. Uh, yeah, I Maybe it was the third one. I saw one of the other following ones. Second, third. I don't know. Maybe it was the fourth. I don't know. There's a lot of them. But (laughs) the first one was actually good because it had more of a storyline to it. yeah. And there was a little more intrigue. than the other ones were just straight up. Or at least the other one that I saw. And I'm sure the other ones, too, were just straight up gore porn. And I was like, this lost any shred of a story or, you know, substance anything substantial to it whatsoever. Totally.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a really good point. It's like it doesn't I, I would never tell any filmmaker that you can't do this, you know? Mm-hmm. But I would I would say you can't do this if this is why you're doing it. Yeah. Like if if you're showing this to to make people get off by seeing other people be hacked to bits, like yeah. there's something that really bothers me about that. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I've always had. You know, I was just born bothered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh but but I, I totally appreciate a story in which getting its point across, they use torture as a story element. Mm-hmm. And maybe you see some of it, you know? Yeah. Like, that can be disturbing in a way that's, like, so deep. I think Pan's Labyrinth is a really good example. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. When that guy's face gets cut open. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: that
0: that was... Uh, it's, that movie is so just deeply disturbing. It and is. gory and gross. But... It's so magical. It's mm-hmm. like, I believed in magic the whole time I was watching totally. that movie and I was terrified when I was supposed to be terrified Absolutely. and I was a hundred percent transported yes. by that film. I, adored it start to finish
1: on an amazing journey
0: and it was dark and they did things that are disgusting and awful in
1: juxtaposition with the magical realm yeah you know 100
0: percent, and that's why it makes the magic feel so real is because it's just a gritty awful world that they lived in Mm -hmm. and that's what i like in my sci-fi too it's like if you're gonna make a gritty awful world um you know transport me there and take me and show me like with riddick i feel like the point is like to take you there and to show you that there is like a shred of good if you behave in a proper and fair way you know and like riddick is just this hard line of fair or not fair Mm -hmm. and like right and wrong and he just has this line and he knows where it is and if you don't cross it he he, you're not his enemy right if you do cross it he will kill you yeah (laughs) and that's really interesting you know it's like what if captain picard um like every time he saw someone who who disgusted him he like killed them <laughs> that's yeah it was you know a little younger that's riddick basically mm-hmm. uh but i always felt like even though riddick is a killer and is in many ways the bad guy he he is he does have a correct sense of right and wrong yeah and i really liked that i felt like that was a great kind of underlying empathy. message in the movies was that there was this guy who knew what was right and knew what was wrong mm-hmm. and knew how to take action about it yeah and sometimes you know if you have to kill to survive to
1: yeah, like then ultimately maybe sometimes he's a survivor, that, not a killer.
0: To, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like sometimes right and wrong, there. You know, it's sometimes it's just survive or not. And yeah. for hi, for him, survival is always the correct choice. Yeah. So he will always choose survival. And if you're in his way and you're preventing his survival, he'll take you out. Right. Uh, and there's there's like a compelling hardness about that that I mm-hmm. actually really enjoy uh, from the outside because I think that his sense of right and wrong is pretty good. And yeah. If if your takeaway from that movie is like, oh man, this guy had this really intense sense of right and wrong, and like I think little boys would want to be like him, and maybe they'd want to have that sense, you know, and treat women better because he was yeah. like not the person who treated women poorly. Yeah, he
1: didn't sexualize yeah. them up until this movie, and then
0: this movie broke that for it me. broke
1: it, and yeah. I was so disappointed because yeah. that was such a big part of why I liked Riddick. I was like, Riddick yep. respects women.
0: Yeah, totally. That that's that's he doesn't huge.
1: sexualize them like yeah i even and that was present even in the beginning of the movie when he was you know the fucking overlord or whatever and there was the woman all over him and he wasn't really responding to her much at least not sexually he was kind of like subtly deflecting (laughs) her sexual advantages but at the same time he was
0: the ruler and he had four women in his bed and they were all naked and he talked about like being distracted by them Yeah.
1: yeah like and like that i was fine with even like I mean, obviously, they showed the naked women and, like, whatever. That was unnecessary. But even the moment where he was like, well, how can I sleep when I have so many distractions or whatever? Like, he didn't even say that in, like, a gross way, necessarily. It was like...
0: Yeah, that's true. So, like, I
1: I didn't really have a problem with that moment in particular. It was... Yeah. yeah, it was really just later.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So like, you
1: can acknowledge that he has sexuality. Yeah. But it wasn't, like...
0: He wasn't forcing it upon other people. Right. And, And it's not like he he's not a rapist by any means you know no. like he's not literally forcing himself upon people like the other guy mm-hmm. but he did like i don't know I, I this is where the writing is a problem because he did push like push on this girl a little bit yeah and then she responded positively to it and that's a problem you know like yeah. that's that's in the writing that is not how that woman would have responded in no. that situation that she is was not Yeah, she was a lesbian and like they're in the middle of this battle for their lives like that's That really bothered me. It didn't fit with the character. It didn't fit with the characterization that they had set up already. And it seemed like uh, just like a puerile fantasy. Oh, totally. Like this guy getting to watch his own fantasy play out. It's like, oh man, I'm like, I want to be this guy who's like so hot that he can like turn Turn, a lesbian who's super hardcore. Yep. Uh, And, and it just felt, it felt, it felt poorly written. You know, it it felt like an insular vision in a bad way where like Mm -hmm. this person didn't know that they were like doing it yeah because he was driven by his own impulses and those impulses seem questionable to me
1: totally yeah it was troubling and
0: (laughs) especially when you combine it with that other horrible rape rapist guy in this movie yeah
1: exactly and that yeah i just wanted it to be such a stark difference between him and riddick yeah and then that line was suddenly blurred a bit yeah
0: and I you know Riddick is an anti hero mm-hmm. and it 's fun having an anti hero. I enjoy that about Riddick
1: mm-hmm. I
0: like that he 's dangerous, and you never quite know what he 's going to do yeah but but he 's no longer someone that i 'd want to follow and I, right. and because of that i 've really lost interest in the franchise like if i, I don 't care if they ever make another yeah after I watched the second one, I was like. Fuck yeah! I want another I was one. I'm so
1: excited. Yeah.
0: And the first half of this, I'm like, this is awesome. And yeah. I'm like, maybe I'm a fan. You know, like maybe I'm into this, and maybe yeah. I'm really excited. And maybe if they made another, I'd freak out. But by the end, I'm like, nah, I'm done with this. You know, like the, I watched these movies. I really enjoyed it. The best part, obviously, hanging out with you and like yeah. talking about it after. Oh, thanks. Uh, but like that's where my that's where my riddick will end. You know? Yeah. What I
1: mean? Yeah. Like if another movie comes watch, out, I'm
0: still gonna watch it. Don't get me I wrong. I but... the
1: second one again because I yeah. really enjoyed that. But like. Yeah yeah yeah
0: but for me like being a fan i would like read a bunch about the behind the scenes and want to learn more about the filmmaker and that's my natural tendency and that's where i was about to go with riddick in the first half of this because i was so into it but by the end that that piece of my brain had completely turned off like the thing that needed to know more just wanted to read wikipedia and then call it a night
1: yeah exactly
0: (laughs) okay speaking of i have to finish this wikipedia article (laughs) <laughs> yeah. uh the sequel on january 29th 2014 vin diesel announced on his facebook page that universal P- pictures wishes to develop a fourth riddick film prompted <sighs> by robust dvd sales of the most recent film in the series in april 2016 vin diesel confirmed that he and writer director david Toohey were developing a fourth riddick movie titled furia and a spinoff tv series called merc city in may 2016 he, ex- he explained that production on furia may begin in early 2017 In a video, Vin Diesel asked, are you guys excited to hear about Furia? Do you want to know where it all began with that dark character Riddick? (laughs) That's a weird tweet.
1: That is weird.
0: No, in a video. I thought it was weird because it was a tweet. It's a video. That's even weirder. Uh, David Tui confirmed that the new film would be rated R. The post did not elaborate on how, if at all, Merc City would be connected to the upcoming film. So now instead of being excited about this, I'm kind of like... Well, I mean, I want to see it because I want yeah. to see if it, it I want continues to, they, to be bad yeah. or if they bring it back around to what I liked about the first two.
1: I so mm-hmm. hope they do, but I have a feeling they won't.
0: I have that feeling as well. Yeah. It felt it felt like they didn't know that they would crossed the line. So, like, no. why would they change their behavior right. if they didn't know? And that's why stuff like the Me Too thing is important, you know, that went around on mm-hmm. Facebook and yeah. just kind of, like, show you what a problem sexual harassment against women is yeah. when almost everyone that you know says me too yeah i mean we have a fucking problem you know like yeah. we have a serious dangerous problem and it needs to be addressed and to to make light of things like that or to to glamorize things like that being like rape culture or yeah you know? b-
1: making them sexy or, yeah, making like, sexual assault and like yeah and blatant glamorizing
0: disrespect. sexual assault yeah. yeah we gotta we gotta stop like that's yeah. gotta stop and I, I think that doing it in action movies is a big part of the problem.
1: Totally. And,
0: I, you know, Marvel movies, you know, as much as I didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, all of those movies have great values. You know, like the, Captain America is the values guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like th- these are all heroes who are going to do what's right. And they yeah. tell you what's right by putting Mm -hmm. them through situations where they don't necessarily know what's right and wrong and the only reason i really didn't like guardians of the galaxy volume two is they glorified have you seen that movie no uh well there's a part in the middle it's not a big spoiler but they glorify the killing of a bunch of bad guys Mm. like really glorify it where it's like it's like killing porn and it really bothered me because i feel like those films had never crossed the line where i felt like they'd done something bad Mm -hmm. and that was the first time so uh, I, I'm really sensitive and touchy about that in pop culture. Yeah. I think that if you're making something that is going out to the entire world, um, the world is in a rough place. You have power and, and I think yeah. obligation to do something good with it, you know, yeah, to be positive. Yeah, and
1: glorify blatant violence, hate, and killing.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think that's something that we can all agree upon is that like glorifying hatred is is bad, yeah, and unfor- you know what? I take that back. We can't all agree upon that. I mean, that's why the KKK still exists, right? So, if we're gonna make progress socially, like we should get on board uh, as artists, we should get on board with the idea that that we can help make the world better, yeah. You know? And just not and, and think Fighting twice about violence. what we're doing.
1: Fighting violence with violence doesn't work and right. fighting hatred with hate also doesn't work right you just hating a group of people and them hating you back you just end up hating each other more rather Absolutely. than anybody coming to any kind of turn any kind yeah, of but people
0: learning to talk to each other and learning to communicate Brings about positive change,
1: yeah. And that's I mean, something and that Star Trek like taught like me when I was a kid. Will be changed, but it will it will shift things,
0: right? Yeah. Like some people can't be talked to, but the ones who can, you can probably make pro- positive progress with, yeah. And it's worth yeah. trying. And that's the type of thing that I love seeing in films like this. You know, like Tony Stark and Captain America, like can't get along, but they will agree to disagree. You know, yeah. there's there's some good shit in there. There's mm-hmm. some really valuable shit in there. And I felt that way about the first two Redick movies, and I and and the first half of this one, but I felt so much the opposite about the last half of this movie that I would even recommend against watching it because yeah. it has things in it that I think are, like, just not worth seeing, Yeah, you know?
1: totally. I wouldn't recommend this. I would tell people, watch the first two and leave it at that.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of movies that are worth seeing, uh, recently my friend Colin came on the show because we went to see Valerian and the mm-hmm. City of a Thousand Planets, which is not worth seeing, uh-huh. but... Uh, We started talking about Fifth Element because Luke Besson (gasps) uh, wrote and directed both of those movies, Mm -hmm. uh, and it made us really want to see The Fifth Element, which made me think about (gasps) you because I know how much you're into it. And then he and I were talking about maybe having a little movie party where the three of us get together and watch this movie and talk about it after. Oh
1: my God, yes. You will fucking love it.
0: Oh, I've seen it. I love it. No, oh, I adore oh, okay, it. Yeah, okay. I just know that you love it too, and I yeah. want to watch it. I okay, haven't seen awesome. it in for a second, while. I, I
1: thought you were saying you'd never. Oh my god! So I was like, I oh wish, my god! I
0: wish I hadn't seen it, so, so could I could exper- watch it again for the first time yeah. because I love it. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love it. It's so good, and I haven't done a show about it, and that seemed like a fun way to do it to me. Totally, so, if you're down, let's do it. Yes, because it would make me very sad if we like we finished our project. And I now, know. Now I don't care about the cartoon, and I don't want to watch it. So yeah, I know. So we have to have something else fun to watch.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, Leah Russell, uh, what are you doing these days that you, do you have any like websites to plug or anything that you want people to know about?
1: Um, watch out for the YouTube channel, random acts of dance.
0: Yes. You were telling me about this and it's such a good idea. (laughs) Tell us the general presence or premise, excuse me.
1: The general premise is basically just taking uh, a speaker and a camera and dancing in public areas, sometimes (laughs) in very unexpected places. Um, like supermarkets, malls, things like that, or maybe just a street side, maybe up in your face. I don't know. (laughs) You'll have to see and find out
0: i'm very excited yeah i mean we talked the first time we came on about how i filmed a couple dance videos for you and mm-hmm. i know you're a fantastic dancer oh, and i can just like picture to in my head just you out in public somewhere dancing and it, it's very uh pleasing so i can't yeah. wait to see it in real life it's yeah. gonna be great it'll
1: be fun I, yeah it'll be a interesting experience i'm nervous and excited
0: i'm really curious to see what people do around you i mean that's the yeah. type of thing like uh you know you never know what's gonna happen and it's a brave thing to do and I think that that's a really interesting idea and I'm excited to see what you do with it
1: yeah it's like it's brave in a very safe way I feel (laughs) you know what I mean like I'm not going to get arrested for dancing or anything like that. Like, uh, but, but anyway, you might yeah. be
0: asked to move along.
1: Yeah, ex- which is fine. And then I'll just, you know, sashay away. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah,
0: yeah, but you are putting yourself out there in a way that yeah. is, I'd say, unusual.
1: Totally. And it's like, something have to, you
0: might get weird reactions to out in oh, public. Oh, like
1: certainly. And that's part yeah. of the point of it is yeah. kind of to like shake up people's day a little bit. Because I think so many people just get kind of zoned out you know or zoned into our phones or you know like not kind of plugged into what's actually happening around us and then, <laughs> yeah the idea of like something happening that causes you to go like wait what the fuck is going on right now is, is
0: that girl dancing right yeah now? like what's where happening? where am i what yeah. is going yeah i am at safeway yeah exactly like
1: i am trying to get my meats and this girl is trying to do an interpretive dance with me yeah. <laughs> like, or something you know
0: yeah i think that i think that you will run into people thinking that you are like you know, insane. insane. Yeah, and I oh, think un- I think that that's unfortunate. I think that that's a an unfortunate byproduct of our society's unwillingness to deal with uh, mental illness. But <laughs> you just like when you see somebody doing something that seems abnormal, like, your first oh, instinct crazy. is to say they're crazy. Right. And what I love about Seattle is that like you will see amazing things on the sidewalk sometimes. Yeah. You know, and to me, if I walked upon someone dancing out in the park or something. I'd be like, this is amazing. It's like a pop-up performance and I'm, I yeah. want to sit down and watch it. And I've
1: seen things like that in totally. Seattle. Absolutely. And it's awesome. And yeah, yeah, people aren't, I feel like out of all the places in the world, I could do something like this. Seattle's a pretty receptive pretty good. Yeah, city. New York
0: would be good. Seattle's pretty yeah. good too. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens if you run into any of that like culture of fear that is yeah. surrounding anything out of the ordinary.
1: I think there are going to be a lot of times when like, most people just kind of keep walking by and are just kind of like, wait, what the fuck? And maybe like one or two people here and there kind of stop and look, but yeah, it's like the, mm. I mean, it's really just a, an experiment that I'm just really curious about. I'm just, yeah. yeah, it really is kind of like a social experiment and also just me, you know, like I like, To dance and I like I you know, I'm like, I I wanna dance in front of people. Fucking I'll do it on the street. But like Yeah,
0: if you want a stage, just do it. Just make one for yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's such a great
1: thing about dancing, you don't need anything it can happen anytime yeah, totally. yeah
0: so it's not up yet right but what, no. where would where would one search to find this when it's YouTube, there youtube youtube YouTube. and what's it called again
1: random acts of dance
0: random acts of dance yes so I, I guess search for leah russell random acts of dance yes and you'll find you eventually
1: yes yeah
0: uh so it might be some time but if you're whist- if you're listening to this like i don't know how long do you think a month or two in the future yeah yeah, yeah. then check out leah russell random acts, random acts of, of dance. dance yeah yeah because these things stay up there
1: Yep, they do whatever. for uh,
0: for all time, yes. or at least until
1: until until the the, internet breaks some other or something. time, yeah. at least until later. <laughs> yep, for now until for quite a while
0: later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Lee Russell, this was awesome. As much as yes. like I, as much as I had problems with this movie, I, this might have been my favorite of the three times we've done this. Because it yeah, was a really was, good conversation.
1: Yeah, it sparked some good conversation rather than us just be like, it was awesome. Like, yeah, totally. You know, it was kind of fun to have more stuff to criticize. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, yeah.
0: And it's. I think that the high points in this movie were the high points for me of the whole series. Yeah. Where like the... Riddick's relationship with that dog is the that best thing of really the whole cool. series to me. Yeah, I, I loved that. I adored it. And like mm-hmm. as a dog owner, you know, Miles has been yeah. bothering us throughout this recording, but, oh, but I love so him more sweet. than yeah. anything. He's <laughs> like, oh the, yeah. Like when you have a bond with a dog, it's oh, so powerful. Oh,
1: fucking love that animal. Yeah.
0: And to see it represented with an alien dog was particularly special to me. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, and, but I would say, you know, stop watching the movie before the dog is killed and you will walk yeah. away with a really nice experience.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there it is. There it is. That's all you need to know.
0: <sighs> well, thank Watch you so much. This was so much fun, and we'll <laughs> have you back for Fifth Element.
1: Awesome! I can't wait
0: to learn more about this show and discover my podcast catalog and sci-fi synth pop music. Head over to my website, JesseMercury.com. If you enjoy this show, it would be wonderful if you could leave a positive rating and review on iTunes or the podcast platform of your choice. We're actually up to 10 five-star reviews on iTunes, which is amazing. And it would be very helpful to have more positive reviews since it helps us show up in search results. So if you don't mind taking a second to do that on iTunes, I would very much appreciate it. And if you actually leave a review, I will read it on the show in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It really means a lot to me to be able to share these conversations with anyone who's listening. I really, really appreciate it until next time stay nerdy out there